Hello mate, I'm Governor B and you're listening to The Lost Tapes. In 2017, my dad passed away unexpectedly and I realised shortly after that I wasn't well equipped to deal with or process grief. I'm still on that journey, but one thing that's helped is talking to people that have also experienced loss. They may not be able to take away my pain, but it's helpful to know that there are people out there who might have been through similar struggles and emotions that I've faced. On this podcast, I talk to guests about their experience of losing someone or something that they love. Today I'm talking to UK rapper Nick Brewer about the loss of his record deal. Nick was signed to legendary music label Island Records and achieved a top 20 hit called Talk To Me. Record deals are often on the vision boards of a number of artists. Nick gives us an insight into what his experience was like and we delve into the triumphs and the trials. Nick Brewer. Yes, my name is Nick Brewer. I'm a rapper. I, I, I try to use words in, in all forms to have some sort of impact. See that when people... To are, varying degrees <laughs> of success. When people ask you like your occupation. I hate it. Do you feel like a bit insecure saying rapper? Or do you feel like they're not going to take you seriously? I do. Because I feel like, I feel, I feel insecure because if you have to tell someone that you do something that you hope you're known for, if that makes sense, you're obviously not doing a great job. <laughs> so what do you do? I'm a rapper. Oh, what's your rap name? Then you have to tell them, Nick Brewer. Okay. Um, <laughs> are you on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just type me in on YouTube. You'll find something like so. It's weird though because, well, I don't know. But if someone's an accountant or mm. a lawyer, mm. even if no one's really heard of them, mm. I like to think they'd have more confidence in their job title. But for some reason. <sighs> yeah. I always have this challenge of, do I tell them the unfiltered <laughs> truth? Yeah. I, don't, I never want to lie, yeah. but I'm like, do I tell them the unfiltered truth or do I kind of use the truth to my advantage and, mm. and leave out the bits that I don't want them to know? Yeah. Because it's kind of like, well, if it was going really well, you probably wouldn't start with house music. <laughs> You'd be like, music's going well, isn't it? Yeah, I heard that thing you did the other day. That <laughs> exactly. was hard. Exactly. Oh, when are you going to put another song out? And these times, <laughs> man's been releasing music. <laughs> Consistently. <laughs> Consistently. So, but at the same time, people just respect honesty. That's what I'm learning. So mm. if you ask me how music is nowadays, I will tell you the truth. Oh, so, that's good, man. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the start of your musical journey. So mm. the first record that you received was bought or bought yourself, what format it was on, whether yeah. it was like cassette tape, vinyl, yeah. CD, yeah, mini man. disc. I can remember all sorts. I feel like, I feel, I remember the first album, the first album that I asked for, I remember going shopping with my dad and he was like, yeah, well, like you can get a CD. And I picked a Cindy Lauper album. <laughs> Girls <laughs> and, just want to have fun. And apparently, I said I like the way that the woman looked on the front cover. The woman Bruh. being Cindy Lauper. So I asked for that, and I was about seven. Um, and then I remember my dad buying me things like Puff Daddy, "I'll Be Missing You." I remember him buying me that. And then I remember uh, the first album. I remember buying of my own accord. I'm sure I bought ones before, but the first album I remember buying was Nas Nostradamus. Sick. Nice, his worst album. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, 
yeah, I was not happy. But I remember my mum giving me a choice when I was in year six saying I could have either Craig David fill me in or Cisco Thong Song. <laughs> <laughs> I picked Thong Song. <laughs> Your mum was quite liberal, I take it. Bruv, my mum, I'd... Uh, Listen, my mum is, is, remains a sick mum, but on certain things, she was super strict. Mm. But on things like music, not films, I think she was stricter on films, but music, she would just like, bruv, she bought me Eminem and Marshall Mathers LP. And I think we were like 11 or 12 when that came out. That's crazy. And that album was wild. You couldn't really get more x-rated exactly like he literally had a song about killing his mum on the album Fong song's kind of a mad shout as well but as a you like as a young person yeah do you ever like think back to yeah. some of the lyrics and some of those songs Bruh. and think right i did not know I what that meant when i was a clue like i think thong song to me well like at the age at which i bought it i think we were year six yeah. we maybe were year seven but it was that kind of that kind of age to me like, I was not thinking along the line. Like, I was still a boy. I had not started puberty. Like, I was, my mind was not in that yeah. place. And I think I just liked the tune. But at the same time, I, I can't remember what, what, what did I possibly think? I just loved the tune and I loved the video. That video was yeah, hard. Big video. That video was hard. So you've gone from mentions of Cindy Lauper, Cisco, <laughs> Craig David, Nas. Yeah. What age did you start to develop your own taste and think, right, these yeah. are the artists I like, This, these yeah. are the genres I like? I think in that way, I've always been quite impressionable because, like with music, because I liked anything my dad played me, which would have been like bands like quite, not cheesy, but quite like rock and roll bands and pop rock bands like Status Quo mm. um, and like them things like Eric Clapton and then my cousin was super into rap and he was like you know a little bit older a little bit cooler so like i was he was a few years older than me and he lived local to me and he was super into rap so you know when he's like 15 and i'm like 11 and he's showing me about wu-tang clan yeah. and like all them sort of like nas he showed me about nas and because i wanted to impress him but i also did like the music but yeah. I, I wonder if i was in a totally different environment and i was playing totally different music would i have liked that also I've, so i think rap was definitely the first genre of music where i could say i really was took it as my own and thought i want to listen and, and and learn more um i was reading an article the other day on representation mm. diversity inclusion mm. and like a great quote that I read was it's hard to be yourself if you don't see yourself mm. and in a lot of those urban music genres a lot of the artists that excel seem to be black right yeah did you feel that you had to prove yourself even more as an artist than all your black friends or mm. was it something that you were quite I don't know yeah I think I must have I don't think I think I felt more not just the fact that I was white, but I felt a lot posher than all my friends. Like Even though you grew up in the same area. Yeah. And it was weird. It's quite interesting. Yeah. I think my parents like my parents are both pretty well spoken, you know, and I was in turn well spoken. So I found like I remember at school like people used to make fun of me because I pronounced words like girl 
Like, and I remember they were like, "Why are you saying girl? <laughs> like, it's girl." And then I remember like, to now, make fun of you because bad. you pronounce words properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and I remember, brother. I'll never forget this. Yeah, I was um, like, it was one day in PE, and I I weren't I didn't do PE for whatever reason. And then we were playing football, so I was like the ref, yeah. And then the ball went off, and I was like corner. And then <laughs> and everyone's like going, "Oh, look at that girl in the corner." <laughs> And I was like, nah, this can't run, bro. So, so now I speak, still, I'll say girl. Yeah. Like, and also I went to church. Yeah. So no one, it's weird, like no one in my area was religious. Were you quite driven though? Because everyone loves music. Like a lot of people love music growing up in yeah. the ends and growing up in those kind of areas. But not everyone thinks to themselves, let me start DJing, let me get my dad to get me some decks, let me write lyrics. Yeah. Like yeah. what was the... The definitive moment that made you want to... I think, again, that's what comes... That's what I realise now about, like, wealth really is in the sense of my parents or I was in an environment where if I mentioned something, my parents would then make it happen. It's like, Mm. I was always writing and then, yeah, there must... That's the thing. And there must have been a a drive without making something epic. Just something a bit... Something beyond my understanding and my consciousness that draws. Sounds like your your family played a huge role, though, and that's the difference that coming from a stable home exactly can make. Like you have the knowledge to go out there and make something happen and create opportunities. Where if you haven't got that, exactly, it's kind of wasted talent, really. Yeah. Do you remember the first time that you like wrapped some lyrics to your friends and they said, "Raw, like he's hard." Yeah, I, I remember it clearly and. There was a bunch of like olders on the estate that had like a little crew, and I've been I've been spitting with my boy Reese on a slide, and Reese was he was just a natural MC. He just yeah he just had it, and mm. then he told them man ah oh, this like Nick can spit and I'm like who's Nick you know what I mean I was just, <laughs> just a quiet boy that was just there playing football but not even really like and then I and I rap for them and it was like eight of them and I say they were olders I was probably about. These times I was probably about 15 and they were probably like 19 and they gassed me. They were like, no, you're sick, you're sick. Do you remember the buzz? (sighs) Or even the first couple lines? Um, The first bar was, come back another day, you're rude on street and you're sweet on Mother's Day. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone's like, oh! They're like, yeah, you're hot! (laughs) That was all it took. But, and again... I can't pretend that I think being white helped me. Yeah. They were like, because it was like, oh, the white boy can spit. Yeah. And it was like, the white boy that looks like he should be a skater can spit. No one expected it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, it's like perspective, isn't it? If you, if before you go into your a hotel room, for example, and they said, oh, this hotel room, by the way, it's not nice, it's horrible. And then you get in there and it's, it's all right. You think, oh, that's calm. But if someone tells you, you got the sickest suite, yeah. and then you go in there and it's just all right. So it's all about perspective. You know, so I think it was like they they were not expecting me to be good. So as soon as I was a little bit good, it, it made me seem better. Mm. So, yeah, that definitely helped. Did your lyrics match up with your, your lifestyle at the time or did you? It was a real, real mental challenge because I think I think I've always generally just my name. If I wasn't a Christian, which I am, even if I wasn't, I think my nature would probably be to play by the rules. Yeah. Like, I think I'm just naturally that kind of, I'm not a rebel, mm. I, don't, I don't think. So there was that kind of aspect of like, I want to 
I want to use rap music to puff up my chest, but I also don't want to lie. And then there's also this Christian thing that which my understanding was a lot more limited back then, but I definitely had experienced something real, coupled with um, a teenage boy slowly becoming a man. So it was a real battle. Yeah. And then, so like, yeah. So it just kind of depended. That's a lot going on, man. Yeah. Like a lot. I don't know, just kind of working out who you are, where you fit in. Yeah. I knew I wanted to be, I knew I couldn't just throw caution to the wind and just spit about anything. Like, I wanted it to reflect my life in a somewhat realistic way, but I definitely also wanted to impress those around me. And at the time, those around me would have been impressed by a certain type of content, which was not me. So... And that's the worst place to be, bruv, because you end up being in a no man's land and kind of not really, like, not really achieving any of your goals. Because mm. I was never going to be on the crud that, because I wasn't on crud. And I also knew, I also I had the awareness of, if I'm ever G-checked for these bars, <laughs> I'm the like, it's not going to take long. It's going to be a very short and sharp G-check, bruv. <laughs> Like, we don't need to mess around. So I was aware of that. And I was also aware, like, that these men were involved. So, yeah, I, I got a, I got a, it was not my wisdom. I've got to put it down a lot down to just God protecting me beyond my understanding. But, yeah, I kind of, like, toy, I kind of teetered on the edge of giving you, like, a motivational speech and telling you I'm going to beat you up. Yeah. <laughs> like, which I wasn't really doing either at the time. When I think about um, some of the guys that are really about it yeah. in the ends, um, you might call them gangsters or, or whatever. Yeah. Meet them on a one-to-one. They're some of the nicest guys that I've ever met. Yeah. Did you have anyone like that in your area or an older that kind of knew that Nick's a great guy yeah. and I secretly like, like that about him? Yeah. I'm going to take him under my wing. and Definitely, like... Because I think about it, like the guys who I was rapping with, and like I really liked them and they were really nice to me. But I was pretty much the only one out of my boys who didn't end up like selling drugs for them. And I was never asked to. Mm. Like I was never asked to. That's a key thing, man. Because I feel yeah. like if you're around a certain group of people, yeah. everyone gets asked. Exactly. The and there were certain times where they'd be like, can you hold this? Can you hold that? And there was a few like things but I was never put in that position and and I don't know what I would have done because I was I was very insecure at the time and was very keen to impress I was keen to impress whoever I was around so I'm still going to church so if I'm at church if I'm at my youth group on a Friday I'm keen to impress those people and then like my church was like not in my area so it was almost like two separate lives so then when I'm back where I was I'm keen to impress these guys so Mm. I don't know what I would have done um but yeah I definitely think that they saw oh this is a good this is a good kid and I think I think they picked up from my content as well that don't get me wrong I wasn't coming with no real deep and meaningful stuff but it was a little bit different to what the other 15 year old boys were saying so I think there was something that they saw and in that way yeah, like, that's why there is, and I'm not saying I was in the hood like that, but there's honour and, yeah. like, yeah, man, they definitely, 
to the understanding, to the level of understanding that these guys had, and I call them oldest, but bruv, like, they were like 19, 20. Yeah, and I'm kids. 30 now, do you yeah. know what I mean? And I still think, wow, like, if I see a 20-year-old, I think, bruv, what did I know at 20? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so I, I've got, like, a lot of respect because, and they had a lot of challenging stuff going on, but there was some weird protection around me, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And I know around, I think, 16, 17 years old, mm. you lost quite a close friend yeah. on the estate. Yeah. In what ways did it affect you when it came to, I guess, the lyrics that you write or your vision of yourself as an artist? Because at some point it goes from, this is something I do to express my thoughts and opinions as mm. a hobby, mm. to, right, I'm actually going to try and yeah. do this now and this is the kind of artist I want to be. Yeah, I think that whole experience taught me in the worst possible way the power of lyrics because essentially that's not to blame anyone but that all came the 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 situation that resulted in in my friend's murder came from a lyric being written initially mm. so and i was 16 i think so i remember from then it's like right like bars can they can do a lot you know um yeah and and that's again, I, I realised at that point in my life, I hadn't lost anyone, bruv. Like, I'd had all, I still had all my grandparents, you mm. know, I'd lived a sheltered life, yeah. a life sheltered from trauma, essentially, and grief. So it, um, it made me realise, oh, I can't just, I can't be in this, this no man's land of trying to be, I've, I, if I'm going to spit, I have to say something worth listening to. Yeah. And it wasn't an overnight change, but I remember the bars that soon started to come. It gave me a new perspective of like the power of words. And I wish it didn't have to take a loss of life to show that, but good can come from bad. Yeah, of course. Know? And that is one of the most powerful, sad, melancholic lessons you learn from life, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like... Um, yeah, so it, it 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 started me on a journey of okay, life is real and can be lost, and what am I gonna do with mine? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, like quite a few young people experience their mates getting murdered, yeah. and I guess if that's your first experience of grief yeah. bereavement, mm. you're not always well equipped. Um, if you come from kind of working class areas to deal with that. Yeah. Do you feel like writing lyrics was a form of therapy for yeah. you or did you get the necessary support you needed when that all happened? Yeah, I think honestly it was a combination of the two. Um, writing, before that, I'd, I'd, there'd been times where writing had just really been a, such a powerful way of me expressing what was going on in my mind and they were mainly lyrics that I never shared with people. But from that point, it was like, wow, writing is really powerful. But I think I was empowered by the people around me. They looked like people that played a role of, not officially, but like a mentor type, big brother yeah. role, people at church. Um, I always felt able to speak to my parents. I think from, yeah, just the way I've been made, I'm someone that... I have to talk about things like, yeah. and I wasn't always like that, but, I, but, but by the point that this happened, I was someone that spoke about things. So quite an external process. Yeah. And I remember cause I kept having nightmares, like where I would see like my friend's face and 
and it wasn't nice. And I remember being able to be like, oh, I'm having nightmares. You mm. know, I remember, I quite remember clearly like speaking with like th three kind of friends, some of which were older at church, who I just, just being able to talk about it. So, but writing was also very powerful. And it was a shame because a lot of my friends from that weren't at church and, and uh, experienced the loss, they couldn't deal with like, yeah. They didn't have the necessary tools to deal with it. And I wish, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I wish I was more mature and more outward thinking. I was still very inward focused. And I wish I was able to give my friends some support because the ways in which they dealt with it was very different to me mm. because they weren't honestly as fortunate as me. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess... 17, 18 years old, yeah. working out who you are as an artist. Mm -hmm. Eventually, um, you get signed, which we'll yeah. come on to a bit later. But mm. what happens in that gap? How do you go from, did you have an aim? Like, this is where I want to get to. Mm. How did you go from just writing lyrics down and well, yeah. to eventually bagging yourself a record deal? Yeah, I remember initially after my friend passed away, because I'd met him through music, he'd been like the first guy that had taken me to studio. Like I'd been very, it's weird because I didn't actually know him that long. It was probably only a couple of years. But saying that, when you're like 15, a couple of years feels like a long time. Yeah. And But he'd also been very instrumental in getting me along this path. At first, music felt way too connected to him. So even though I wrote, there, there then came a point quite soon after where I just, I just had a mad writer's block. Um... I didn't write for time. I went away to university. What did you study? I studied history. And I remember, bruv, I hadn't written for time. And you rang me and was like, yo, I need a verse for my album. <laughs> <laughs> and this was your first album. Like, I'm trying to focus on my history degree, bruv. <laughs> yeah. I know you're not interested in your studies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about your studies, no. But I remember it was like, boy, I don't even... I, I probably said yes to you straight away, but I was... I wasn't writing and I remember I was like, cool, let me write. And then I remember we went to that session and and did the album and did, did the song for your album, sorry. And yeah, it was like, that, that it awoke something in me, but it's mm. still, I was like, no, 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 I'm not a rapper. Let me just do my degree. And then, and then um, just cracking on with my degree. Then my granddad passed away and he, um, I just really got on well with him. He was a really interesting guy. The same guy whose autobiography I'm getting tapped up at the moment. Um, and I remember I just wanted to write about it. I yeah. just wanted to write about it. And then a mutual friend of ours, Ashley, who um, we both knew from school times, uh, he was always sending me beats anyway. And he sent me a beat and I wrote a tune. And then, yeah, like, so... That's crazy because um, obviously I'm quite familiar with your stuff. Yeah. But listening to you share a bit of your story now, yeah. it's like two deaths pretty close yeah. to you have kind of been quite significant yeah. in your artistry. Yeah it's, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And it was interesting because it was two very different experiences. Like, my granddad was 94 when he died. Like, yeah. man had a good innings, mm. do you know what I mean? It was like, it was a very different circumstance. But I think, again, by this time, I'm like 20 years old. So 16 to 20 is... So you, you do a huge amount of learning. Yeah. Um, so I think I just had a, a new perspective and I was able to be like, okay, I've actually learned from this man 
what have I learned and how can I how can I do uh, make something that 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 lasts for a minute? And it's mad. Like I even got a message from someone the other day saying, like, I remember that song you made about your granddad, which I released nine years ago. So it's like She styled you for that video shoot. <laughs> It's done on YouTube. Really, when I was checking out. Looking like, looking like Liam Gallagher before the money, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's mad. So, and then I just, I was just writing, and then a, a group of producers they got in touch with you first. I don't know if you remember. They said, "Yo, how do we get in touch with that guy who was on your album?" And uh, I don't remember that. I remember them calling you out on YouTube. They did like, a, well, maybe it was who that. is this guy? Yeah, Brewer, yeah. whoever you are. <laughs> We need to work with you. <laughs> yeah, and they were called The Confect. And like, they were hugely, hugely instrumental. So I met up with them. They were just a bunch of, of mates and super talented producers that live in Tottenham. And I just started, I made a mixtape with them and put it out in 2010. Then we done another one in 2011. And I'd graduated this from this time I was working. Like, I was just quite content with it being a hobby. However, I was going to the studio any time I could, like, mm. but I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, like, I just loved making music. So you weren't I, like trying to blow. You no, were just, I wasn't trying to blow. It. I just loved it. But I think I, it was weird because we were talking earlier about like Morphire Crew and and when you're like 12, 13, or when I was 12, 13, it was like, yeah, I can do this. But then I guess I'd maybe got a little bit. Life happens, and now I'm 21, and I'm like, oh, I actually need to make money. Like, maybe I, maybe I can't do this, but. <laughs> I love mum's asking for rent. Yeah, exactly. And car no, insurance. Exactly. Exactly. And I was like, but I love making music. So I got a job and was just going to the studio pretty much every night, every night that I could. And um Yeah, it just it just kind of grew from there. I started getting asked to do a few shows. Um bruv, you were the first first time saying that before the conflict, I went to you in Hertfordshire when you were in whatever year you were in. <laughs> And and you was like, I remember you was like, no, you can record. I'll record you for free. You ain't got to pay nothing. And you started recording me. So, and that really encouraged me. And at the same time, I was very inspired by you because I was seeing, oh my gosh, like this guy's so driven. He's putting out music. People are listening to it. Mm. And when you see and me and you, as we are now, we were super close then. So it was like, oh this is sick. Like my yeah. boy is actually doing this thing. And it was, it was quite a different arena to what I knew. But What's really interesting about you is that your view of music was, has always been as a hobby, yeah. but you've had people in your life, whether it's your dad buying you those decks, yeah. confectionery saying, oh, we need yeah. to work with this guy. Yeah. Me saying, come do this song or whatever. Yeah. It's like everyone believes in you. Yeah. Did it take that for you to believe in yourself or? I think so. I think so because I think I, yeah, I guess I just didn't, I never, I was like, I can't do this, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> come on. Like, it's almost like, you know, when you think you're going to get found out at some point, like, I, I always wondered, is everyone, and I remember genuinely thinking this a few times, is everyone going to turn around one day and be like, we've, like we were only joking when we told you you were good. <laughs> like, because uh, I used to uh, think that, like, now, yeah, like, right, you know, you know, everyone's <laughs> like, you tell your little your little nephew or whatever, like, yeah, you're really good at football, and then man's trying to like really make it, and you gotta let him know <laughs> that you're not levels. But like, I always thought, like, is, ev- is everyone like pulling my leg? Like, so I don't know, because I think I'm just I'm quite a self-deprecating person, but I'm English, like, so that's what yeah. we do, in it. But I think there was a level of yeah, like I'm not actually good enough, but. So, and in a way, but that even speaks of the privilege I've had where 
so many people have still, even though I didn't believe in myself, have been like, no, but we believe in you. Like mm. you said, these guys made a YouTube video. Like, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. We need we need to get in touch. Yeah. We've got song. They're playing in the video. We look, see this beat here? We need you on it. Like, so and then they did not charge me a penny to record my wow. mixtape. They did not charge me a penny, bro. And it was 15 songs of which they produced at least 12. Just for the love of the music. And just for the love of the it, bro. Just for the love of that's it. That's incredible. And, and that's the thing. And I don't really talk, talk, like, I'm not in touch with them guys really anymore. But I have nothing but respect for them because mm. that was instrumental. Management or no management? I got management around 2012. So they taught me a lot about PR, radio plug-in, booking agents, all that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, it was just, and I was still working full time because the idea of quitting a job to do music still was, was not, was not, um, not one that would have washed with my parents. Yeah. You <laughs> um, seem quite responsible because yeah, I think like a relative amount of independent success, yeah, uh, a history degree, mm. you could be forgiven for going gung ho for a couple of yeah. years and seeing how it goes. And I'm not a risk taker. Like that's what. For me, and this is what's mad, I remember even signing a record deal felt like a risk. And not that it was... That's crazy. But they were giving me, essentially, what I was earning at the time in a year. They were going to put that in my bank account. Yeah? <laughs> just to and get cracking. it cracking. still felt like a risk. And it still felt like a risk. Because in my mind, it's like, I was just about to get made a manager. And I'm just... That's that's the interesting thing about my parents' influence because they're very supportive and my dad's loved music. He would have loved to pursue a career in music, but responsibility comes first. Yeah. And and I think it's just like the middle class, like you 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 know you you take care of what you have to, and then if there's a chance, then then you do you uh, have a little bit of fun. Because um, I remember my mum like. And, then, and my parents have always been super supportive, but I, I, my mum was like, you cannot hand in your notice at work <laughs> until you sign the record deal, yeah? Which, but I'm like, but mum, like, I, signing the deal was just a case of like going in and doing it. I'm like, mum, we've been negotiating this contract for like two months. Let's take a step back. So Done. even getting to the point where you first get told, your manager tells you or whoever, right, there's a record label. Yeah a major label, and they're interested. Yeah. Like, what's going through your mind? Well, Are you to, thinking this is never going to happen? I have to go back even further, actually, saying that. I remember I was in Joe, who's um, part of the conflict. I was in his flat. This is 2012, yeah. I got signed in 2014, so I'll make it quick. But it's 2012, quite early 2012. We're making a tune, and I get an email through from someone. Hi, Nick. I uh, heard your stuff. Would love to meet uh, let me know when you can do and who it was from. But then at the bottom of the email was a Warner Brothers, <laughs> was the Warner Brothers logo, yeah? But we started <laughs> jumping on the sofa, <laughs> sliding across the laminate floor, bruv. Like, you would have thought they already put the money in your bank account. <laughs> bruv, we were gassed. I remember I belled you, I belled Barney, I belled Jordan, Kavi, anyone who would answer the phone. But this was on Holloway Road. We probably went out and announced it to whoever was walking. Like, we thought we were out. We didn't know what it meant, bruv. It said Warner Chapel. I had no idea what Warner Chapel was. All I knew is I recognised that Warner <laughs> Brothers logo, bruv. I knew what that meant, yeah? But I didn't know what that meant, but I knew what that represented. Mm. And um, 
I then started to learn. So, okay, Warner Chapel is a publishing company. What's what's publishing? Like, I've you know I've heard of a record label. What's a publishing company? I learned that this guy is a is an A and R for the publishing company. Okay, what does A and R mean? And and yeah. he but he wanted to manage me. So that then happened. Cool. I didn't end up going with that guy for management. Went with these other guys. Then one day I got an email from someone else, very similar. Hey Nick, now this time we I've got management, so we're a little bit more. I'm putting out videos, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, hey Nick, like what you're doing. Uh, could you come in for a chat? This time it was Polydor, and so you and I'm like, okay, I know what Polydor is. So we go in for the for a chat. I meet the guy that signed at the time. He'd signed Professor Green. He's nah. massive. This is yeah, like yeah. what 2012, 2013. Yeah. So. This Professor Green had been signed to Virgin, but he was at the time at Virgin. He'd signed Professor Green. Uh, he'd previously signed The Kooks. Okay. Like he'd signed Jamie T. You know, big yeah. Like, yeah. and I'm like, hold on a second. And Polydor is part of Universal. I'm like, I'm in the Universal building on High Street, Kensington. And I remember I came from work, and I had to. At the time, I was doing youth work, and I was mentoring at a school in Hackney, and I had to. I remember getting changed in the toilet at the school like, as I left. Like I remember I was wearing, I had my glasses, but I was like, nah, I can't, I can't wear glasses for this meeting. So I just went, like, I just went with, with minimal eyesight. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I tried, but my Bumped clothes into the glass yeah, doors. But I was just like, okay. Um, and then they started putting me in some sessions. So then he's put me in sessions with like, and I don't mean it's in a rude way because I found that Joe and the Cuffet guys were as talented as anyone I've ever met, but we were recording in his bedroom and in the front room. Suddenly we're in air-conditioned studios with flipping <laughs> mixing desks the size of yeah. the whole flat where we were recording and guys with plaques on the wall. And and I'm still like, hold on a minute, what's going on? So there was all Unknown that... territory. Yeah, there was all that kind of stuff going on and then there was a few different little bits. And then, yeah, so then it was like labels are interested and that was very exciting. But then, yeah, in the end, the only... Not the only, but... A lot, a lot had a lot of meetings but I had one solid offer from Island Records and that came through I remember because it was a good Christmas boy <laughs> I, uh, the offer came through like on the, the the 19th of December like the con like they sent through the first contract which was then negotiated Merry Christmas yeah boy. trust me I was just gassed so gassed and obviously you say it was still a bit of a risk yeah. But I feel like in the back of your mind, you always knew you were taking it. I was always going to do it. Yeah. I was always going to do it. But I think it was just, yeah, it was most people, like my managers were asking me to quit work a long time before. And then I never considered it. I never, yeah. ever. There was, you know, there was times I was getting, oh, you got a gig in Stoke. Oh, well, I need to check out how I can get annual leave. Do you know what I mean? It was just <laughs> for me, it was just, yeah, that was normal thinking. But well, yeah, when the record deal come through, I'm like, Come on, Dad. And my dad was guys like, you know what Island Records yeah, of course. is. Like Yeah, they're very strong on they're a cultural label. You it's, know yeah, what I mean? it's culturally yeah. iconic. Um at the time, I believe you're talking like Jesse J was on Island. Yeah. Mumford and Sons. Mumford and Sons, Rizzle Kicks. Rizzle, Rizzle Kicks. Kicks were really big at the time. Tinchy Strider. Tin yeah, Tinchy Strider. It was kind of like the Tinchy Strider was Tinger Strider had, had peaked, okay. but he was still there. But he, amazing things were Devlin, happening with Devlin Massive. Yeah. Like, incredible things were happening with artists that were signed to Ireland yeah. at the time. Yeah. I'm quite interested to know your expectations. So, I 
was I'm an again at the age of thirty. I've now realised this. You would probably disagree being one of my closest friends, but I'm actually in general an agreeable person. I love to argue with people such as yourself, <laughs> but when it comes to the actual, the bigger thing, I will go along with. Like I'm quite a, I'm quite a good person to work with yeah, because with I'll be like yeah okay, um, which is weird because I am very opinionated. But so I went into Island Records with an agreeable disposition so nick we think you should vocal this instrumental bearing in mind as your friend yeah and someone that knows people around you yeah i was like yo we're about to be famous guys (laughs) 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 it's about to pay off like honestly like you lot like i'm yeah we were all gassed and that was a sick thing it felt like all of us do you Mm. know what i mean it felt like something we were all experiencing like I, rem- I just remember how happy you were. It was just sick, you know, like just how happy everyone was. So there, in a good way though, I felt like I had to deliver. Yeah. You know, I realized this was a unique opportunity. I realized that as hard as I had worked, there was plenty of people that had worked harder than me. There was plenty of people that had had thought, thrown, gone gung-ho and thought, no, I'm quitting work. I'm going to mm. do this music thing until people listen. You know, I had the the... The, I guess the privilege of doing a job that I don't know pay me about 25 grand a year you know at the age of 21 and doing music and I had order to my life you know me I like to be in bed by 11pm you know so Airplane I'd worked mode. yeah exactly <laughs> I'd worked hard but and I'd oh I'd spent hours writing bars but so had a bunch of people yeah. and there were people that had worked harder than than me um, so I think I felt like I need to I need to deliver. So I went in with that, I'm gonna do whatever they tell me because these lot are the professionals. Mm. They've sold millions and millions of records and they've had rappers in the last 18 months that have charted, that have gone number one, that, that know what they're doing. So I went in with that view. So Nick, we think you should do this. Cool, I'm gonna go do it. Nick, do this, cool. Nick, we don't think we should say... Was it kind of second nature? Or did you feel I wasn't really that there was a fine line between compromising what you would normally do and just being a guy that's easy to work with? Yeah, I think like I knew that from a, on a moral standpoint, I wouldn't compromise. By this point, by this stage of my life, I knew. Well, I mean, I've been continually discovering who I am, but I was strong in my uh, in who I knew God to be and who I who I felt like God wanted me to be. Not to say that that's always been totally straightforward, but there was a lot of things that the label. And I think because of the music I've been putting out, there was mm. the the label had an understanding of who I was. So it wasn't so much a moral thing, but it was just like I wanted to be seen. I wanted to just be a, a team player in a sense of, right, I don't want anyone to be able to say, Nick, you didn't, if you'd have done this, this would have worked. Um, and I worked with some really, really accomplished and talented people in terms of in the label. Uh but I just assumed that everyone would be A star levels at their job. So yeah. once you go into a label, it's like, okay, so Nick, this is your marketing manager. Say hello to your marketing manager. Hello. All right, Nick, this is what I think for you. We want to have you like this. Like and we you want, can trust that yeah, person. Yeah, we want to put you in we want to put you in this world. Like this is these are the these are the campaigns that we're working on at the moment. You know, we've just done okay, amazing. Thank you, marketing manager. This yeah. Nick, this is these this this is your radio plugger. Right, hi Nick. Um, this this is what we're going to aim for first. Uh, we've, we 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 you know think this DJ will really like you. We're going to mm. work for this. Cool. 
they go around and suddenly I've got a team of people. What was your like, what was the earliest highlight? Like you've got this team of people that are working mm. on your behalf, trying to get results. Yeah. Can you remember like the first time you thought, "Raw, like I'm signed and this, this is working now? Uh, I think for me, there's probably loads of things I can think of. But I th- the first one that comes to mind is doing my first radio interview. Mm. Um, because obviously, we're saying this now in 2019, in like approaching 2020, radio is in a different space. Not to say that it's like it still plays a key role. It's not obsolete, but it's not obsolete. Yeah. But in 2014, which is when this was massive, huge. Spotify hadn't even Spotify wasn't a thing yet. Mm. Spotify was not, well, or if it was, it was not nothing like this. So it was still radio. And, and the internet, internet and radio are where you're going to hear music. So I remember that first interview on One Extra, Mr. Jam, like, it was a phone interview, but being like... And there's levels to One Extra, Mr. Yeah, Jam, Mr. he's Mr. up there. Yeah, he's up there and it's like, all right, Nick, because I'd made this EP and this was the first thing I was going to put out. The EP was called Four Miles Further. That's the first thing I was going to put out of the label. They just said, go and do your thing. And I'd come back with a five-track EP that I was really happy with. And they was like, cool, we're going to see if Mr. Jam will premiere a track. And they've come back and they said... Mr. Jam loves it. He's going to play one track every day. So it's five nice. tracks. He's got, or maybe one day he played two because I think he did Monday to Thursday. Whatever. He's going to play a track every day and he wants to interview you. And it was like... And I knew who Mr. Jam was. Yeah. Like, And that would have been very hard to achieve independently. Very hard. Like, And also very expensive even to put yourself an opportunity. Radio plug-in costs a lot of money yeah. and that was not money that I, I like had spare when I was not signed so and I'm, I'm talking to Mr. Jam and like we're having a conversation and then <laughs> and then I listen to my voice on the radio and I'm like oh like yeah. oh this is real and, and I think that's because when people hear you on the radio people who don't know anything about music when they hear you on the radio it suddenly becomes very real for people mm. because it's kind of like and that was when I realised, instead of people saying, how's music going? People started saying, oh, you're on the radio. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, so it's, it's like, they don't need to know. Like, even if music's not going that well, if they hear you on the radio, this is what I learned. You're out here. Yeah. Um, and obviously that was One Extra, which is a, a very well listened to station, but it's still it's still digital, it's still urban. But I loved, I like, I loved that. I, do you know what I mean? We'd grown up watching Tim Westwood's, uh, videos of of rappers in one extra. This is the era of like fire in the booth, of mm. all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was sick. So that was one thing that made, and that happened quite early. You know, probably about a month after getting signed. Of like, okay, this is this is real now. Yeah, and around the same time, if I'm not mistaken, you've got Stormzy, or a bit later actually. Yeah, about a year later ascending no not even a year yeah about six months yeah but he's he's getting there yeah he's ascending people know who he is yeah and you get the opportunity to work with him yeah shortly after that talk to me yeah top 20 single yeah like where are you like in your mind what are you thinking at this point because Mm. if you said to me right top 20 single Mm. In three or four years, take it or leave it. I'm obviously taking it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's the stuff dreams are made of, really. Yes, you would think. And that's what I thought. And I, yeah, so put this, 
it was weird because it's like being with a label is amazing, but then it's also you got to deliver. You got mm. targets, and if you don't, Island Records is not a record label, as I'm sure we'll get onto. <laughs> it's not a record label that's scared to drop you. Yeah. Um, even though the way they, the way my contract ended with them, they were really good. So I can't. I've not really got anything bad to say about them in that sense. Um, but yeah, like. I'm working with artists. I'm I'm, sh I'm shooting videos, and it all seemed like yeah, no, there was no real pressure. Then I make what became talk to me, and that was quite a process. But I made it pretty chill. Me and the confect, as we had been doing, um, that suddenly it suddenly became clear. You know, there's there's um there's a oh, I can't think of the word, but there's a sig signals within mm. the music industry that okay, the song's doing well. So for example, at the time it was shazamming really well so anytime it was played on the radio people want to know what it is yeah so that's really good the radio have their own way of knowing pardon me how many how many people tune out when your song is getting played and, and those things were showing really well so like there was all these things of people are listening uh, to yeah the end okay if we well. if we do this right this can be a hit um which was just even as i say those words it's just bonkers <laughs> bruv, like to think I had a hit, like yeah, factually. Yeah, like, do you know what I'm saying? Not an opinion, like. Yeah, I had a hit, bruv. Like, and it was weird though because it was doing all these things really, really well um, without trying to go too boring. But it also came. I mean, everyone's got excuses, but it probably came in terms of technological advancement within the way people were listening to music. It came at the worst time mm. because we the song officially came out in September. 2015 but this was the days of pre-orders and all this stuff is gone yeah. now you know spotify was there but streams were not counted towards the charts so we put the song on spotify in like august or something yeah so then in the process without trying to get too boring streaming began to count towards the charts so as a label that is where Ireland and it's you know all labels were learning but it was like certain songs at a time doing well it was like right do we put our budget into iTunes getting the sales or do we put our budget into getting the streams yeah, yeah. the sales had been the thing that was tried and tested and no one thought like Spotify would do whatever so we we pumped money into the promotion on the sales side of things where hindsight's a wonderful thing if maybe if we'd have done it on Spotify streaming, it could have been a different yeah, thing. So fact, yeah. the reason I say that is the song ended up uh, charting at number nineteen, but it during the week of release it was as high as number two. So no it, way, I didn't even know that. Yeah, fam, it was as high no, as number two. It would have been number one, but Sam Smith released the Bond theme tune <laughs> on a surprise one. The so worst timing, do you get yeah. what I'm saying? So it was like so. The reason I say that I remember being in the studio with Joe of the Conflict when my manager rang me like congratulations bro you got your first note top 20 and i was like what number and he said 19 and bro i remember being disappointed oh my days that's um, crazy man. yeah i remember being disappointed and i remember thinking is it because you're so close to yeah because, number one or yeah. top five top ten and because i knew no not new but i just knew that like it was like it was a top 20 but this is the thing on on the itunes chart like on the sales chart it was number eight. Right. So if streaming wasn't a part, yeah. it could have been number eight. And then a top 10 is very different to a top 20. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, it was as high as number two. 
if it was number two, that would have been life changing. And but now, obviously, we've we've a lot, I've had a few years to think about it. I think I would have been gassed if it was number two. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But then a point part of me would have said, "But it weren't number one." And then even if it had got number one, I'd have been. But now my next tune's got to be number yeah. one. So or I learned the number one. Yeah, for a week exactly. Or two or... And then, and then it's left. So I remember at, that taught me a very a very key thing about my faith. And about who God is, it's like God is satisfied. Like He looks at us and He's and He's like He loves us, not because of anything we've done. And that's why it's like it's it's like so life changing. Because the reason I say that is because I was still trying to. It was like, oh, this isn't this isn't enough. Yeah. I was still chasing something, and. Now I look back and I'm like, brother, and don't get me wrong, we were gassed. Like it was, it wasn't like I didn't go home and cry myself to sleep. But I it, hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but it was at the same time I knew I had like an opportunity to really change things, and and it didn't. Um, and I guess I felt crazy like, though. I felt like I failed. What do you think of public perception when it comes to to music? Because. Mm. Someone could think about you getting a top 20 and think, right, like, he's rich now, he's gone, that's that's sick. Is it very different to... Yeah, because, like, it didn't... It's like, without without getting into the the real nitty-gritty, the way... I I didn't make a penny off the sales in terms of the direct, direct money. That was all money that the label gets, and the label has given me money up front. So it's it's good business. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, we're going to give you this amount of money... And because we're giving you this amount of money, we're going to keep everything it makes. Yeah. And, and along with that, we're going to pay for your video. We're going to pay for all the promotion. We're going to pay for the, the track. Like the label puts their money in, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a good business model. But it meant that, no, that money, it was not life-changing money I received from that. It wasn't bad money, but... Yeah, there is that perception of like, oh my gosh, like you're being played on Capital FM, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, but I need two or three to read. Yeah. Sounds like at this yeah. point you're you're going through an internal battle in regards to your definition of success or how you view success. Yeah. yeah. Um how long after that did you start to see warning signs in terms of your your working relationship with the label? Mm. Um, which eventually trying to think of a nice way to say it but results in you getting dropped yeah 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 so everyone at the label was really actually like they were disappointed but it wasn't my fault like everyone was like the label kind of well Radio 1 for whatever reason didn't think the tune was going to be a smash so they didn't back it like they could have they put it Mm. they didn't put it on their full playlist they put it on a type of playlist which meant that it got a few plays but not loads so with radio one play again and like it could it could have been really really big so radio one essentially kind of acknowledged like oh we should have backed the tune we didn't and i remember i don't know like meeting with one of the not meeting but meeting a guy at radio one he was like we should like don't worry, your next tune, we're going to back it. Right? Your next tune, <laughs> your next tune's going to be a smash because you've you've earned the right. Yeah. So I was like, so everyone, at, yeah, so everyone at the label was pretty like, yeah, like let's let's keep going, you know. Um but then it was like, cool, so what's the second single going to be? 
And it was like, should we go for, obviously that song had a big sample. Should we, should we go for a similar formula? Should we try something else? And I wanted to go with a song that I'd made with Shaka, I'm a pro. Big tune. Yeah. And, but it was like, nah, that's not, that's not, that's not quite a hit, you know? Um, and I was like, it was, it was next to talk to me. It was the song that got the most natural, yeah. like reception. Yeah, like, it 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 been really well received. Organically, yeah, just push. that's the word. Organically. Um. So I was like, and again, that's where the agreeable thing comes in. And I was like, okay. So then there was this other song which I'd made, which had been on my mixtape from 2011, Alone My Thoughts Two, a song called APX Seven, which had always kind of been bookmarked as like a, this could be a hit. Possibly, yeah, yeah in this the could, future. This could be point. a hit. So it's five years old at this point? Yeah, it's about, yeah, about four or five years old. Um, so in the end, the label was like, we think we should like do this tune. Um, so it involved the tune being reproduced. And like in the end, we just, uh, I just feel sick when I think about it. Because it's like, we approached that song like a science experiment, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? Or like baking a cake. Yeah. You know, it's like right. You put this much. You put, and it's like there is an element to that with pop music which can't be ignored. There is an element of just feelings aside, what makes sense. Mm. But the feeling got totally lost, and we ended up with a tune which, again, APX Seven, the original. People had naturally loved that, and always been like that tune's a banger. And you didn't overthink it at the didn't time. Didn't overthink it, and then with this song, we just overthought it. And it just ended up being some middle of the road pop tune, which I, I, you know, when a song is not the one, when you can't look your boys in the eye, <laughs> you can't play the tune and be like, yeah, this is the rhythm. What kind of thing? I remember I'd be playing it like, and I'm just checking my phone. Like, do you know what I mean? And then just... Yeah, and it was like ev- I think looking back now, I think everyone knew that it, everyone was confused because all my friends, including you, we all liked APX Seven. Mm. So we all and we always thought this tune's a banger. So it's like we no one could quite work out. We yeah. all knew it wasn't right, but then I remember. So I remember like ringing my manager and being like, Look, "This, I just, this ain't the one. This ain't the one." And my manager being like, "Well, listen, Capital have told us they're gonna play it. Kiss have told us they're gonna play it." Radio One have told us they're gonna play it, like, and then and then I'm like, do I want to be the guy that's throwing my toys out the pram? Yeah, pushes through with I'm a pro, for example, or whatever the song may have been, the different song, and be like, no, I'm not putting this song out. I want to go with this one, and then if that flops, it's I've only got myself to blame. Yeah, looking back, I wish I'd done that because at least I could have said, oh, well, I went out on my own terms. It's a hard position to be It's in. very hard. And yeah. like, again, you know, I'm still, I'm still new to the game. All right, Nick, you had a number 19, but we've sold millions. Like we've got, you see Bob Marley, them man there? Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like they've, they can point to yeah. the walls. Yeah. Did a light bulb go off at all in terms of you thinking, right, this being agreeable things not really working. I need to start putting my foot down and fighting for what I believe in. Yeah, but I think it happened too late. So we went forward with this song and just wanted a good tune. Like essentially, and it just even though the late the radio stations had said they would play it, it's like, 
well, maybe they hadn't. That's just what I was told. And, I, I, and I'm not saying my manager was lying. But you, yeah. you, ne- you never know. Like, it could have been said as a passing comment, whatever. Um, or maybe they did. But it became, it became clear pretty quickly, yeah, this ain't the one. Um, but again, that kind of went pear-shaped. And then the label offered me an album deal. Because at that point, I'd only been, I'd done these EPs, I'd done the singles. And it was kind of like, look, we know we pushed this song. We we told you to do it. We know it flopped. Yeah, do you think that was them saying, we know you're great mm. and you were ill-advised? Yeah, so yeah. It was it was you. almost like an apology. Like, well, no, I mean, there was actually apologies. Like, sorry, we went with the wrong one, you know, here, but we still believe in you. We're going to, here's the album deal. And that, that didn't mean that I was, the next thing I'd release would be an album, but it meant we're investing in you for longer. And they could have got rid of me because mm. at that point I had a two single deal that was a second single. Fulfilled your deal. Yeah. yeah. And it, I, that wouldn't have been getting dropped. That would have just been like, take care, didn't work out, see you later. Um, so now we're in like mid 2016. And we're in mid 2016 and I'm sending them music and they're like, yeah, like this is good. And I say them like, you can almost talk about the label like it's some monster. Like these yeah. are real people. Yeah. I'm ringing up my A and R, who is someone that I still get on with really well now. Like, mm. and he's a he's a good guy. Like, I'm ringing him, we're chatting. But then you have to realize he also has a boss, and it's like, yeah. it, like there's a there's a, a chain of command. Um, but for whatever reason, music just ain't coming out, ain't coming out. And I knew that they wanted to hear the banger. I could make album music as it were i can do that i can i'm working with good producers i had concepts i had themes i'm always making them sort of tunes but you know you're chasing this the hit and it's just like what is it and i remember i made a what i thought was a sick tune <laughs> with m and ek um and everyone was gassed off it like yeah this is sick and it was like cool who are we gonna get to do the hook and there was all this and things just kept like oh this artist's gonna do it no this artist ain't gonna do it now and then there was another song like that oh this artist is gonna sing the hook all that initial buzz that was developing, as quick as it feels like it can develop, it disappears a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've gone from September 2015 having the top 20 to August 2016 not really having music out. By this time, I don't even know what I'm chasing anymore. Yeah. Like, wow. did I want to be this pop star? Like, did I really care? Like, did I did I ever imagine myself becoming this artist that had to chase a hit mm. in order to get people to listen to me? No, that was like it's not like I wouldn't have said no to having songs that done really well, but I I I, I went into my record deal thinking I've got something to say, like this is an opportunity God's given me to actually, however big or however small, have some sort of impact on people's thoughts and opinions. And now I've just been reduced to just this white boy who's trying to have like a pop hit. Yeah. You know? And and I think them times, that's when, because I've been so caught up and I was like, wait, I don't want to do this. Like, this isn't what I'm in it for. This is, I just think there's more there's more to it this is not i've i've lost it i've lost the vision i've lost the aim i'm just now i think i've i think i want to be famous as well which is not something that ever like yeah. really 
that 17 year old kid weren't really thinking about yeah. that or that 20 year old kid yeah like i just i don't think that was ever something that drove me but i got nominated for a mobo and like that was like one of the only goals i ever had was that like, i want to be nominated the best best newcomer I yeah didn't even, I did, my, my goal wasn't even to win it <laughs> it was <laughs> just, just to be nominated but it's like suddenly oh sick you're getting free clothes i'm getting paid silly money to do this and that and it's like oh yeah it starts becoming it's easy to get lost in the source yeah yeah and like i'd stayed who i was i didn't start do you know what i mean going on like drug fuel binges like i, I didn't get involved in none of that but just in terms of like oh like this this is quite nice yeah um it's not cheap to sign these artists you know i was a relatively cheap artist and my videos are still costing 30 grand 30 grand for a video yeah like, not all of them, but like the big ones, you know. So and you're not even, with all due respect, mm. like their top priority artists. So you can imagine what Nowhere they're shelling out. Nowhere near top. Yeah. Nowhere near. Top. When I hear someone gets dropped from a label, it sounds very dramatic. Like yeah. What actually happened on the day that it was all over? So for me, essentially, it came to the point where I was asking to be dropped because they signed me on this album deal, which should involve them giving me a nice little chunk of money. Um, and then not straight up refusing to put out my music but not putting out any of my music nothing that I was sending through so then I'd done the Many Moods stuff and again like the Many Moods showed like they didn't do loads but it showed oh people want to hear me like mm. I still have people that like and want it so I was like I've got to do this so in the end I was chatting my ear and it was just like this isn't going to happen is it and he's like oh, I don't think so like so I'm like I need to get dropped like because then I can start actually putting out music yeah. on, on my own because I can't do that while I'm in in a contract um so he was like okay cool 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 so then he he come back and he was like ah oh, they don't want to drop you because you're actually still making them money <laughs> it's so like makes you sound like a product yeah I know because the people that drop is the legal team and the legal team, they're not involved on the creative side. So they're like, I, I could be called Exhibit C, for example. Yeah. Why are you dropping Exhibit C? Exhibit C has made us more money than Exhibit C has cost us. Mm. But they obviously don't know anything of yeah. what's going on. So he's like, so from that perspective, it was a little bit tricky. So then in the end, and then one day he rang me and he was just like, they're actually going to let you go. And they're also gonna pay you. Like, like, and he was like, he's a Christian, so he's like, it's gotta be God. For <laughs> he's like, he was gassed. Like, and you know this guy, yeah. yeah. So it's like, and like, he's a proper cool guy, but really, do you do you hear him like gas? And he's like, bro, I cannot believe like what they've just said to me. And so, got so me- effectively, they've let you go. And- yeah. Given you a substantial amount yeah. of money, to... given me enough money so that I didn't, I did, I could focus on music for uh, yeah for at least like a year. I saw something on Joel Baker's Instagram the other day, and he's a good friend of ours, yeah. also an artist that's been signed, yeah. And he said that he believes every major label should have a budget set aside for the mental health of their artists, whether it mm. be organizing counseling sessions for them and, and that kind of stuff. How would you say this experience has affected your mental health? I think it's important to um, 
who you surround yourself with like before the record label. And I think that's a really good idea. And I think if record labels are thinking smartly, even from a business perspective, they would put something like that in place. But the people that you touch base with the most, like your manager, do you know what I mean? And even just other artists you associate yourselves with, I think it's just really important, the circle around you. I think my mental health um, was really negatively impacted a lot of the time. Interestingly enough, I think back to when my music was going the best, I think I was actually felt the most low, the most insecure. Mm. Um, and I think that was because I was putting my value in my success. And that's always gonna be like a, a very up and down thing. So I think I've just learned that um, I've got to know what's important. Why am I doing this? Am I doing this for success? Am I doing this for um, acceptance? And if so, I have to be prepared that if something I do is not welcomed or accepted in the way that I like, then that's really going to affect the way I feel. Um, mm. Why so was it low even when you were doing well? Is that because there was always like another thing to chase? Yeah, I think so. I think I remember just becoming more self-conscious than I'd ever been because suddenly um, my face is in more places. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it's like, I was never obviously everywhere, but I suddenly became aware of like, oh, I need to look good. Oh, I need to keep this going. I need to keep the success going. Oh, I'm here, but I need to get there. It's like, there's always somewhere further to get. I think what, what spurs on the best artists and the most successful artists is the fact that they, they they don't settle. And in a way I really respect that. And I don't I don't think it's a good thing to settle, but for me it was coming from a real place of insecurity. Um so yeah, but I just I just had to come to the conclusion, and it's something that Jesus showed me, is that, you know, like he's pleased with me. Mm. Um, he sees me as his friend um, and that stuff. And not only does, like, he wants to work with me, you know, mm. and he, he, it doesn't need to be something I'm doing by myself and anything I do, God wants to, wants to partner with me in that. So yeah, that's like an ongoing thing, but I found mm. the people I surround myself with and the things that I choose to kind of, um, come into my mind, like the things that I expose myself to, whether it's through social media, whatever, I have a real like mm. impact so yeah it's a journey i love that you talk about god in like the present tense yeah. of him wanting to work with you because yeah that would um show me that you haven't given up yet and yeah. there's still more to come and you feel like god's not finished with you um mm. in terms of like moving forward yeah your approach to music yeah. and your career where's your mind at um is there anything that you've learned from this experience that you're going to mm. keep in mind or well i think like you you know me like pretty well and you know that I'm quite a black and white person, do you know what I mean? I either, like, it's like a yes or no. Like, I, I'm not too good with the gray area. Mm. And I've realized that music is like, it's always gonna be a gray area thing. And I think part of me sometimes would just be like, would like to be, okay, I'm giving up music, you know, that that door is closed. Because in my mind, even though it's not necessarily what I want, I'm, I'm able to kind of figure that out better i'm able to I've, I, in my mind i think well, i could come to terms with the fact that it's over yeah. but i've realized that actually god's given me words he's given me the ability to use words mm -hmm. um and that can show itself in music that can show itself in poems that can show itself in other things that i write down places where i go and speak and even if i want to i 
I have a responsibility, not yeah. just a responsibility. I have a gift that God's given me. And therefore, it might not always look like Nick Brewer, the, the Grime MC or Nick Brewer, the rapper. Um, but he's given me words, mm -hmm. you know, and that's not dependent on my age, on my situation, on my experience. That's just something that God has given me and I want to use it for him. So, yeah, until I feel like that's something that God doesn't have for me, I feel like I have a responsibility to yeah. keep making music. And actually, in terms of the, I've been making music and I just feel more free, more able to uh, put into words exactly who God is to me. Um in a way that doesn't feel forced, in a way that doesn't feel like contrived. And I think I'm now in a place where, don't get me wrong, I hope people like it, but if they don't, it's mm. like, this is what, what, what I feel God's given me to do. That's great, man. There's like a well-known question. Mm. Um, is it better to have loved and lost or never to have loved at all? Mm. And I'm thinking about Talk To Me, which is yeah. your biggest hit. Do you kind of regret that being a hit because you're always going to yeah. get um, compared to that, that moment in your life? Or mm. do you feel like actually it was like a very important part of my journey and I'm still excited about the future? Yeah, I often like I often think about that. I think God uses everything. And I think that whole experience, it's mad that it's just one song because like it felt like so much came from that. But I'm... I've learned not to like regret things. And there's definitely things that I would do differently in all areas of my life, but I'm glad that happened. I'm glad it indirect me, indirectly, sorry, it indirectly brought me closer to God, closer to finding out my identity mm -hmm. in him in a way that I wouldn't have expected. And I just think back to that time where I made that song where it was just like, I, did, I didn't really know what I was chasing. Yeah. And then I had something that I kind of thought that maybe, ah, oh, this is what I've, I've always wanted. And it didn't bring me anything like what I wanted. So I'm glad it happened because it taught me a lot. And I think if that ever was to happen, whether it's to me, whether it's to you, any of my close friends, I feel like, ah, oh, actually there's, that taught me a lot that yeah. could help me in that situation again, help me with friends who kind of go through that. Um, just that kind of, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm glad it happened, man. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more of my personal story, I've shared about my grief process musically. Hands Are Made For Working is the name of the album and it's available on all music platforms. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, you can support us by writing a review on iTunes, sharing the podcast with friends and family, and if you wish, making a donation on our Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash governor B. And be sure to subscribe, because I'll be back soon with another guest. Cheers.